Hi all, Jackie here. Um, if you've been following the saga with my microphone quality, then you'll know that I don't always sound the crispest and clearest, but I think I finally figured out my microphone. So hopefully this is the first of many beautiful sounding Jackie episodes. <laughs> but in all seriousness, um, I wanted to let you know that I'm very excited to share with you all a guest that I've actually had the pleasure of working with quite a few times on some consumer saving segments. He's a local reporter, and for anyone who's tuned into certain episodes, you'll know that Britt and I absolutely love and believe in the importance of local news, so we can't be more excited than we are right now. Um, our guest today is an individual that not only hosts his own consumer saving segment called Show Me the Money, but he also co-anchors ABC 27 News Daybreak, which airs on weekdays, and listen to this, uh, guess what time he starts? 4 a.m. That's right. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention is that James is coming to us from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Um, anyway, okay. So before the show, James, you provided an example segment of something that stemmed from a PR pitch. Do you mind quickly summarizing what that segment was about and explain to me how that story came to be? Sure, no problem. Uh, so... My segments that I do for our newscast, um, as you mentioned, is called Show Me the Money. And basically, it is a consumer-oriented uh, series of stories where I give uh, different consumer tips. And this particular story uh, came from Carfax, and it was talking about odometer fraud. So it was talking, uh, we, we talked about basically how in this era, Odometer fraud is a lot different than it used to be back in the old days where you would physically turn back the dial of the odometer to make the car seem like it was newer. Well, now there's a new electronic way to do that. And Carfax and also an odometer expert showed me how easy it is to be able to change those electronic dials backwards and basically trick people who are buying new car, who are buying cars into thinking that that car that they're buying has less miles on it than it actually has. How how did the pitch come to be and what exactly stood out to you? So basically how that story came about um, was that I had got pitched from Carfax um about the topic, which the topic sounded very interesting to me, but also which really stood out to me was the fact that, so along with someone from Carfax, um, they also had an expert from a different site to talk just about odometers and how easy it is. They had a live demonstration for me on how easy it is to roll those odometers back. So what really stood out to me was the fact that not only was it something that was informative, but it also went that extra mile and had an extra element to it by giving us that live demonstration. So I felt that was something that was very visual. And especially with television, that's so important. Not only is it just to have that information mm -hmm. for television, you have to have something that's visual. And mm -hmm. whenever, so I always think for, a, for someone who's giving a pitch is my biggest piece of advice would be to know your audience. So if you're pitching something to someone who works in television, try to think of what type of visual qualities would this story have as well. And if there's something that you think of, you know, put that in the pitch, 
because that's what caught my eye immediately. Ooh, I like that. That reminds me of a conversation that we had with um, Steve Delinsky. He was a a reporter for a, a local news station in Chicago, and he said exactly what you're saying. Just make sure you highlight what that visual is going to look like because that's gonna that's what's gonna grab his attention. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and his beat was food, so he had us like drooling by the end of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> But that's really cool that um, that's how the pitch came to be and that the whoever pitched it to you was smart enough to include like that suggestion to, you know, come on the show and show you exactly how to do what what the story is um, trying to teach or audiences to understand. Yeah, I mean, I can you I, hear I, me. Yes, I'm back. <laughs> yes. You're back. Good. <laughs> they need to know. The listeners need to know. My mic quality is back to being crappy, but at least I'm back. Um, <laughs> yeah, I sound fine. Yeah, it sounds well. That's because I unplugged my mic for some reason. Um, anyway, yeah, that um, external expert. I was wondering about that. So Carfax, who pitched it to you, they actually included that expert within the pitch and offered that interview up to you. Is that correct, James? Yes, that that's exactly how it happened. And that and as I was saying, that that is what really drew this story to me was the fact that they had not just the actual company of Carfax, but an 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 outside person who yes. could show me what exactly they're talking about and showing me in the real world how that works. Were they, so they were local, like the actual expert? So so that that expert was out of Atlanta, I believe. Oh, okay. But that's and what was their title? Like how are they an expert? What qual made them an, or qualified them to be an expert on that topic? Um so that so that person was a hold on, let me make sure I get the title right of what he does. Um uh, he definitely he gave me ideas on how to be a scammer that's for sure i was like damn i can go on ebay and like find this thing <laughs> it's horrible though i would never do that <laughs> i was like wow he's just showing us how to do it on tv i thought that was kind of interesting <laughs> so he was so he was a car expert who worked at a place he was uh basically a mechanic and oh, okay. they they worked on those special uh on those like electronic equipments for cars. So basically like, so if he's, so he's, he was a mechanic. So when they fix cars, you know, they have these machines that they can plug in to make sure that everything is working correctly, but you could also buy these machines online and they can, you can use, you can rewire those to set the odometer for whatever number you program it to. Yeah. That's pretty wild. I didn't even know that existed. Yeah. Me neither. Yeah, same. So it's an, it was a very important segment then. I'm sure that's also what stood out to you. I mean, I would be I like, people need to know. <laughs> yeah. That's kind it, of like at the heart of what you do with Show Me the Money, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so whenever, whenever there's any kind of scam alerts or fraud warnings or things that people should be paying attention to when it comes to any anything that comes – when it comes to their money and anything that deals with being a consumer, that usually is what I'm looking out for. And whenever something like this one in particular stands out to me, because I mean, who doesn't, who hasn't gone through the experience of buying a car? And mm -hmm. then yeah. on top of that, when it's something like odometer fraud, who thinks of, Oh, this may not even be correct. And then if there's something that you can 
do proactively to prevent that from happening to you, that is always what stands out to me. I love that. And then um, you might find this interesting, Britt, but in the web version of this, so I watched the segment, I read the web version. Um, gosh, we could hold, probably do a whole episode about web versions of TV stories because I feel like that's like a whole thing. But um, I noticed that James included a link to even a tool on Carfax.com, I think it was. I saw that too. Yeah, I was super mm-hmm. curious about that. So yes. th- that's kind of the, that kind of stuff is interesting to you too, I'm assuming, for uh, to allow your um, listeners to, or not listeners, but your viewers to even go to the website and take action, I guess you could say. Yeah, absolutely. So a big component, especially another another great thing to remember when you are trying to pitch a story to, especially someone for television, is that, you know, with television, you don't, you don't, you have a limited amount of time. So you don't have 10, 15 minutes to tell these types of stories. So what you want to do is, you know, you want to pitch one specific idea. And then once that story gets fleshed out a little bit, if there's some supplemental information that could help help uh, tell the story or help give the viewer some action in the form of a website, well, that's perfect because then we can link to that in the actual story itself on our website. Ah, very cool. That makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. I think that's always a thing amongst content marketers too. Like, is this tool worth creating? And I'm wondering if Carfax hadn't had a tool, would you have looked elsewhere for a tool that could do that for your audiences, James? Yes, ab- absolutely. So what so what I tried to do is when I do these types of stories, um, if they so for instance in this in this particular instance, Carfax had that had that tool on their website. I always take a look at it myself to see if it's something that I can understand, if I can figure it out. Because if it's something that I can't figure out, then I'm not going to just post it on there because I'm sure other people can't figure it out. Yep. So in that instance, then I'll just go search for something myself that can help. So absolutely, it's, it, 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 it also has to be, um, I don't, so especially for, for me in terms of television and being a reporter, I don't work for these companies. So when a PR person pitches something to me from a company, what they have to understand is, is I, I, I do not I do not represent that company. So my job is to represent the viewer. So mm-hmm. if your information is not complete or if it's not as user friendly as it could be, then my job as the advocate for our viewer is to find something that is. Oh, love that. Um, that our literal last episode, well, it hasn't gone out yet, but by the time this one goes live, the one before that would have gone live. So our episode with L'Oreal um, talks about that. Basically the often publicist will give her, um, subjects to interview for the story. And let's say it's a nonprofit that came out with some research and the hook was the research. So L'Oreal knew she wanted to use the research and she vetted the people that the nonprofit wanted to interview. And she decided that she would be better off for the reader if she found her own sources, just because she felt like, it would just make for a better story, I guess, to not have that bias 
from mm-hmm. the nonprofit, if that makes sense. So it sounds like yes. kind of similar. And, and, that, and that's what that's that is such an important point that I was really happy to be invited to be part of this podcast to talk about. Thank you. Um, because <laughs> I, I I really think as so as a journalist, my job is to not be biased on on whatever topic that that I'm working on. So if I feel that a particular pitch is going down a different road than I thought it was going to go down. Well, my job as, you know, as I said, as the advocate for the viewer is not to just blindly accept that. Then my job is to push back or to figure out, well, maybe this isn't exactly, if this isn't what I thought this was going to be, I need to figure out what this is and if it's beneficial to our viewer at all. Yep. Makes a lot of sense. Um, So what kinds, before we move on, um, well, I guess we'll get to this in a little bit, but that pitch that Carfax sent you, was it really long or was it short? Was it in depth? Like, how would you describe the overall structure of the email and the segment uh, description and all that? Um, so that particular pitch, um, it wasn't very long. It probably was, it probably was about a page long. Um, and, a, and I will also tell you like probably the biggest portion of that was the headline, which said, odometer fraud how to prevent it and that was that was the title like something short something that caught my attention immediately okay this this is a consumer kind of story frauds right there in the headline what i can do to prevent it all of that right there in the headline that gets me to read through through the pitch itself um and then and i'm sure you've heard this before especially for especially for us television folks if you can keep something as brief as possible, that is the best way to go about getting our attention and getting us to be able to read through the whole thing. Especially because when you are putting out a pitch for someone in television, your goal is not necessarily to make sure they know every single aspect of that story from that first email. Your job is to get me to see this email and become intrigued with this, with this idea that I reach back out and then we could get into the nitty gritty stuff. But your pitch should be something that grabs my attention and does not take me two days to read through it. Yes. Okay. Great advice. Mm-hmm. I got to remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you might not have this information in front of you, James, so we can skip this question. But do you recall what time that pitch was sent to you? that that pitch was sent to me probably around it was morning time probably mid-morning okay mid-morning your morning or (laughs) mid-morning mid-morning for for normal people so this is probably around around nine or ten o'clock okay (laughs) (laughs) okay so you were you had just finished anchoring or you're about to finish anchoring it seems and then you went and checked your mail and yeah. Um, my, okay. my, my mailbox is always open. Um, so I, and, and I'm always on the lookout for ideas and I'm always on, and I'm always getting different emails. Um, so for me in particular, the, the time that the, that the email is sent is really not important. The most important is what is in that email and what captures my attention from it. It doesn't matter what time you send it. I'll get it whenever. Um, Long as you're not, so long as you're not sending me uh, like a very time sensitive email where you need an answer by 
tomorrow. But for the most part, when it comes to a pitch email, it doesn't matter what time of the day you send it. I'll get it when I get it. The most important part is, does it capture my attention? Love that. Mm-hmm. So, so it sounds like you check every email that comes your way or? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, and, 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 and again, you know, by, by doing, by doing this so often, I can see, okay, this is not going to be something that I want just before I even open it. So like if right. you give me a subject line, you know, so that's, that's important, you know, make the, make the subject something that doesn't look like it's spam or doesn't right. look like it's something that's going to like give you a virus, you know, so, <laughs> or that you're trying to sell me something, give me, give me a nice headline, uh, telling me what your story is, a, attention, fraud alert or story idea, something like that, that then I'll, then I can click through and see what it is about. Okay, cool. But to answer, but to the long, the long, the short answer to your question is for the most part, yes, I check all of my emails. Okay. Jackie, you got a question, I think. Um, do you remember what that was? Oh man, do I? Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> I thought your follow up was better than my follow up, but now my follow up is to your follow up, which is, I feel like that's a good segue for you to explain what your day looks like because, as we said, you start work at four a.m. Mm-hmm. and you also um, have another. You anchor at noon as well. So, what does your day typically look like? Um, <laughs> So my so my day is so my day is pretty it's pretty atypical when it comes to uh, a television reporter just because my day is bookended by the two different shows that I anchor. So I get to work at four o'clock. My morning show starts at four thirty. So I'm on the air almost almost as soon as I get to work. I, I got a, about a half hour to prep, and then I'm on the air between four thirty and seven. And then I'm on again at the end of my day, which is at noon. So that's that takes up a majority of my time. So at seven o'clock when the morning show is over, then I have a couple of hours in between that and the noon. I get started working on looking over the noon show about 1030 or 11. So that gives me between seven and 10 is when I can do the different interviews uh, for Show Me the Money. Or whatever, what and I because I'm also I'm also I also do other stories depending on you know what is going on in the world. So, but for the most part, when I'm working on my show me the money stories, I'm doing that between the hours of seven and ten. At ten o'clock, I have a news update that I have to do live. So I'm out between ten and ten thirty. Ten thirty, I get back to the newsroom, and then I can get started working on our noon news. And then, of course, that starts at noon. That ends at 1230. And then I wrap up whatever else I did not finish up throughout the day. And then my day is over at that point. Oh, wow. What do you do after that? Do you take a nap? After that, I usually go home and eat uh, and then take a nap. Oh, wow. What a day. So <laughs> when do you check your emails then just throughout the day or do you have? A so yeah, so I check my emails whenever. So I'll check my emails throughout the day. If I have anything from the night before, I can usually check them doing like the commercials of the newscast. Um, and then after the, and then of course, after the news is over, then I can go through 
more importantly, like what all these emails say. So like during like so throughout the day, I can check here and there and say, okay, would I what I actually need to go back and read or what I don't need and start deleting some of the emails. But then after the news is over, so after seven o'clock, I can actually sit down and focus on these emails and then I can start responding to the emails and then start setting interviews and things like that up. It's amazing. Yeah. It's a long day. <laughs> um, it's never the same thing twice, which is which is why I really enjoy it. Oh, that yeah. That is true. That is true. Cool. I'm sure it's, you know, it's not very predictable. <laughs> yeah. What made you want to get into reporting? Just out of curiosity. I've always liked telling stories and doing this job. You just meet so many people. Um, and I just, I really enjoy being able to help people. So, um, I, no matter what type of story it is, whether it's a new story, which, you know, I started off doing just like strictly, you know, all of the different hard news stories of the day. Um, and then these consumer stories, they're really helpful too. I really like doing that. And I really just like telling stories. So that's, I mean, that's, that's the, the, the short answer to why I got into doing the news. Um, but it's just, it's just, it's always something different. It's not your typical nine to five going to work and doing the same thing over and over again. I mean, you're, you're doing things over and again, but it's always something different. You, the, the topics that you're talking about are different. The people that you meet are different. And it's something where, you know, you can really have an impact on, on people, which I really, really like doing. Love that. That's also relevant to the last two episodes we had, right, Britt? Literally, this is the same exact thing that they got into this to help people. And what I love about it is all three reporters we've uh, interviewed last all write about wildly different things. Mm -hmm. or, you know, your reporter, L'Oreal, uh, writes for black women. And what did what Tertius does? Um, shoot, what does he do? Uh, deals writing. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's just, a, I don't know. It's really cool. I love seeing that. Um, the different ways, I guess, that journalists get into this and like really just do it on their like, you know, on a mission to like help. So it's really cool. I yeah. I, 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 and I, I love the different types of variety of stories that we all get to tell. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. super Tercius told us that he had a pen pal as well for a little bit there, somebody who was writing in and asking specific questions on what to buy. And right. and they would he was like helping her. It seemed like he was helping her, you know, shop and spend money <laughs> wisely. So that's I loved, think that's really cool. Yeah. And that he loved it. <laughs> that's really awesome. Do you hear from your um, viewers often? I do actually at the grocery store. Oh yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> that is a great question. What's that like? <laughs> Wait, say that again. I didn't hear the last part of it. Oh, right. just do you bump into them at the grocery store? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All the time. All the time. <laughs> it is. <laughs> that's probably one of the. That is the the biggest place where I bump into viewers is at the grocery store. Um, <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> most a lot of the times it's hey I know you. Wait a second! I know who you are. You're on. You're on the. You're on the news every morning. I. I. I, I know who you are. I see you ever all the time. Um, I, I. I. You know. I. I joke around a lot about that, but I really love it. It's. It's fun. Uh, having people know who you are. It's fun being able to put a face to people that I don't get to see. You know. 
doing television, it only works one way. They all can see me. I can't see them. So it's always nice to be able to put a face to some people and see, like, get, get some actual feedback. Um, and they can tell you and, 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 and listen, they, they will tell you what you're doing right. And they will definitely tell you what you're doing wrong. Oh my. So, <laughs> but yeah, I, I really like it. And, uh, and I thought with the, with, with the pandemic now, because we're all wearing masks at the grocery store, that eases, that eases a little bit, but they, they, they still, they still recognize me even through the mask, which, oh, which really surprises me. <laughs> that surprises me too. Must be something in your eyes, I guess. <laughs> it it must it must be because I I I I thought that when I were when I was wearing these masks, oh, I could jump in and out of here and no one would no one would know <laughs> anything. But I I still I still get stopped in the grocery store. But yeah, it, that, that that is that is probably the best place to go for a focus group because people will come up to you and tell you all kinds of things. Oh wow. Do you ever get story <laughs> ideas from meeting people? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that is probably one of that is probably one being connected with the community, and that goes back to uh, one of the things that you asked me about. You know what it is about this job that I like, and why did I want to do it? And uh, being connected to the community, especially with local news, you are right there. So, like, you know, you're on television, but you live in the community that these people are watching. And there's, so you're, so it's very, it's very, that you're very, they're very approachable and people will come up to me all the time. And many times some of the best story ideas come from people just saying, Hey, did you know about this? Or, Hey, did you hear about this? So for example, um, and this, and like, this is what I was telling you before. Like, so I don't only just do these consumer segments. I do a lot of feature stories about just regular everyday people. And during the pandemic, someone actually approached me and said, Hey, did you hear about uh, this woman who is teaching kids how to play chess? They, they are bored during the pandemic. They're not going to school and they're, and they're not socializing as they used to. And she decided to teach them how to play chess. And I'm yeah. just sitting there like, really? That sounds, that's fascinating let me find out about this. And then I did a whole story on this woman. So stuff like that happens all the time. And sometimes the best ideas come from just someone saying, Hey, have you heard about this? It's mm -hmm. awesome. I love that. Besides, besides, you know, pitches and story ideas from your viewers, how else do you get inspired by the stories that you cover or where do you find them at? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a really good question. So, um, like I said, so like you just said, uh, pitches are one way. People telling me is another way. And then another way is just being out in the community and just opening your eyes. Sometimes you just happen to spot something. Uh, sometimes you may be, I may be driving down the street and I see a sign for something. And I'm like, hey, what is this all about? I go check it out. Oh, okay. This is, this is, this is really cool. Um, I was driving down, I was driving down, um, one of the streets here in one of our towns where I saw a grand opening. No, not a, it was a opening soon sign on a store. And I saw that and I drove down farther and I noticed there were a whole bunch of different stores on, on this, on this street. So I stopped in, I talked to the, to the woman who was having the, the, the grand opening, just talked to her for a little bit. 
she told me about how her idea came about for her for her for her shop. And then as I went up and down the street, I realized, you know, all of these all these businesses are black owned businesses. And some of them have been here a long time. Some of them are just opening. And that right there, boom, story idea. Love it. I saw that segment. I thought it was really cool. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I don't live in Harrisburg. <laughs> but when I was doing research, I noticed it. <laughs> it was really well done. So it's kind of cool to see how you how that came about. Yeah. So, it's, it, you know, inspiration can come from anything. You just have to have your eyes and ears open. That's beautiful. That's a, probably a good lesson for publicists, too. Right. There's something there, I think, about having your ears and eyes open when you're doing your everyday work. And maybe you could pass along a story that's helpful to a reporter. It doesn't have to be some fancy thing, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, like the, these are these, you know, you're, you're just talking to regular people. So if you are in PR and you have you have any type of idea at all, send it out. Yeah. Right. What have you got to lose? Exactly. And even if it's a story idea that's not, you know, it's something that they want you to look into, they might not have the answer to or the whole full investigation done themselves. That's what you're looking for anyways, right? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Like it doesn't always have to be the formal, this is the pitch. Here is the person. I already have this person signed up. This person can do this. This person can say this. It can just be, hey, have you ever thought about doing something on this? And then it could even be, hey, maybe I have someone I can help you with this, or I have an idea. Maybe you can try to figure this out. I always wondered something about this. I mean, mm-hmm. these stories can come from anywhere, and it can be any kind of pitch. It doesn't have to be your just typical formal pitch. I like that. Um, so on to passing along ideas. I've always wondered this. I don't know if ABC 27 has like a general newsroom email address. I know a lot of um, news outlets do. Do you have access to that email or like do the producers forward stuff to you that they think you might want to report on? How does that work? Because I've always wondered, is that a big black box or do people actually read those emails? Yes, that's another great question. So (laughs) (laughs) we do have a general news email and there are people who are assigned to read those emails. And so I, I do not have access to that email, but what happens is since I have specific, uh, so I have a specific segment that people know about. If someone sent something to the general email and the person who was reading it, thinks it's something that is a consumer oriented story. They would forward that to me. Got it. Okay. But so as long as it's consumer focused, they'll just forward it to you. So people shouldn't be afraid to use those email addresses necessarily if they can't find a certain person's email. Absolutely not. Do not be afraid to never, never, ever be afraid to send something. Let me, yeah, let me, let me reiterate this. Never, ever be afraid to send something to a newsroom. The worst that can happen is they don't do it. So what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry i didn't mean to interrupt but i was like no oh. that was that was that was it <laughs> okay cool yeah that's a quote that's definitely yeah a quote. it's also why we wanted to do this well another reason why we wanted to do this podcast so badly because we see often on twitter just you know the bad tweets are the ones that get usually the most engagement and those are the things that you see and it's like reporters or journalists 
you know, complaining about a terrible pitch that they received. And I don't blame them <laughs> for doing that. But also, you know, as long as you craft that pitch appropriate, like correctly and are smart and personable about it, like you're not going to be, you're not going to get a mean tweet. And it's important to remember that there's more, I think maybe this is me being optimistic, but more, <laughs> you know, friendly relationships with between PRs and reporters and journalists than, you know, negative relationships. <laughs> I absolutely think that is the case. I mean, of course, you're going to see the occasional bad pitch, but I think for the most part, you get much more positive interactions between PR and reporters than negative. Well, that makes wow. me happy. That Thank makes me really happy. That. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I have one more question before we get into shout outs. Um, I'm always torn between whether to pitch. Okay, so let's back up. I know how to pitch you because I found your segment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes it's not so clear with other local newscasts who the producer is for a segment, because sometimes you just see the reporter that's front facing and then there's producers in the back. And then there's also like just sometimes, like you said, you even as an anchor, you'll like cover a segment and it's just very confusing. Like, how do I know? Is there a difference between like pitching a producer, anchor, reporter, should I default to the newsroom email or should I just take a chance and pick whoever <laughs> I find? Do you know what I'm asking? Like, I, I do. I do know what you're asking. And, and, okay. and this is this is one of the reasons that I was really excited to be part of this podcast, because I don't ever think of it from your perspective. And uh-huh. <laughs> I, I am sure that it can be very confusing trying to figure out who to send an email to. And it's something that I never, ever thought of before, but hearing you say that it can absolutely be confusing trying to figure out who you should send something to. Um, so my, my suggestion would be the way, the way that you found me was perfect. So if you have a segment and you have, if, if, if there, if you're sending out a pitch to a news station and it focuses on one particular genre or segment that you already know of, and you don't know who to send it to, I would do exactly what you did and send it to whoever the person is, whoever the reporter is, because that's the easiest person to figure out. Whoever the reporter is that does that particular segment, send it to that person. If they have producers that help them out, that person will make sure that the, that producer gets it. But that person, you know, as the, that person's the face of the segment, that's their job to get that kind of stuff. So even if it's not their final decision, I would always default to send it to that reporter because even if it's not their final decision, I guarantee you they have a say in what types of stories is, are done. So they can forward that to the, to the right person. If you don't have an idea of a particular segment in mind or you don't know, that is when I would send it to the general newsroom. And then I would try to, uh, focus it in a way where you're saying, "Hey, this is the type of story that I'm that I would like to pitch. I'm looking for someone who does X, Y, or Z. Could you point me in that right direction?" Ah, I love that. I wouldn't have thought to do that. Um. And another another thing that you could do as well 
you could actually call that newsroom and and ask I'm picking up the phone. Oh my yes, goodness. and just ask, "Hi, who does these types of stories?" And then get that contact information that way. Cool. This is advice we've never gotten before. Oh wow, this is really helpful. <laughs> yeah. This is like a huge source of stress for me always. <laughs> and, 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 and again, I will, and just, you know, from my personal experience, I will say, and I, and I, I, I like I said, this was eye opening to me seeing this side of it. But my, again, my, my biggest piece of advice for people in PR when it comes to dealing with newsrooms is again, do not be afraid to send an email and for because this the, your your reaction to picking up the phone and, and and making a phone call email is so easy and it it really doesn't take much effort or or anything behind it so sending out an email if you don't get something back oh well send another one i mean it it i guarantee you that it is not like if if you if 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 you sent out a story idea that didn't work for whatever reason, no one is going to hold that against you for your next email. So never ever take it personally if that pitch doesn't go through. You know, for every ten pitches you send, maybe one or two gets through. But if you if you stop sending pitches, none would get through. So I would just say never be afraid to send out that pitch email because. You never know who will see it and who may think, you know what? I, I can do something with this. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. I love that. Thank you so much for <laughs> <laughs> reminding us of that because that's really important. Um, I, I definitely in the past have hesitated to click send when I didn't know if it was quite the right person. But you're right. Like, you know, I, I'm already I get no I get no media coverage if I don't send an email it's almost the same. Like if I send it and it was the wrong person, it's the same outcome. But if it does get forwarded to the right person, you do increase your chances of getting that coverage. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. You have nothing to lose. Send out that email because again, you never know who may be reading that. And you, you may, you may end up sending, especially if you just send it to like to the general news email you may end up getting that email into the hands of someone who may be looking for a story and may not have ever gotten a pitch like this regardless. And you just, you just never know, especially there's so much that happens in a newsroom. There are so many things that are up in the air. Some stories fall through all the time. So it never hurts to have a backup idea. Cool. Love it. Um, Do you have any follow-up questions, Britt? No, we can go into shout outs now. I think it's a, a good moment to highlight some of your your friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you have a publicist or a publicists? You can have one or more, it doesn't matter. But anybody that you want to give a shout out to that you think does a good job at PR. <laughs> yeah, so, all right, so you... you you asked me this before to think of someone and I mean this is this is and this was not set up and this was this is not me sucking up to the host but I would have <laughs> I, I have to say you Jackie because the, the way that you the way that you found me and I think I can't think of any pitches that you've sent me that I actually really turned down so 
I just really, I really like working with you because your pitches have been so straightforward and your, your ideas have always been right there on the money for me. And even there was one time, I think the first time that you sent me something, we went back and forth on that idea. And then right from there, you had a second idea that gave me, uh, that gave me another interview and another story. So you're right. You're right. Yes. I can explain that too. Yeah. So um, this this is probably a good lesson for listeners. Uh, thank you, James. I'm very flattered. I did not expect that, but I'll take it. I really do appreciate that, that you're making me blush. Um, what James is referring to is um, I do freelance PR as whoever doesn't know that. Now, you know, although I probably have mentioned it a few times in the show. And um, yeah, it's, so that segment you're referring to, James, I believe we were working with the uh, financial lawyer, Leslie Tain. And we did one around, I believe, maybe it was holiday debt. Yep. Yep. And then I think what happened is I realized, and this is probably a good lesson for other PRs, if you're working on similar overlapping topics, you can kind of leverage the same relationship to pitch them even different stories. And it had dawned on me, I'm like, oh, we're talking about saving money during the holidays and I'm literally, I'm working with Wirecutter on a, um, what was it, like uh, like Cyber Monday, Black Friday story. Um, those go hand in hand. And um, James, I'm sure I've seen this with a lot of your work, actually, where you kind of do, you'll cover one topic and then you kind of do, it's not a straight follow up, but it kind of is like relevant. So you've done quite a few car stories, for instance, recently, because uh-huh. like you said, um uh, used car sales are up during the pandemic and um, which you and I have collaborated on a story relative to that too. But uh, that's just a long winded way of saying that if a reporter is covering a story that you are pitching and you have a similar story with a different client, it cannot hurt, especially if you're already working with them to say, by the way, I am working on the side project you might like. It's a whole other client, whole other story. If you're interested, let me know and I'll just send you another pitch. And yeah. It kind of worked out beautifully. So um, thank you, James. Appreciate the kind words. <laughs> a- absolutely. I mean, that that was that was an awesome pitch. And it worked out great for me because I got two stories out of one. So <laughs> loved it. Thank you. I'm glad that you noticed that and appreciated that. I wasn't sure <laughs> if that would come across as like aggressive or, you know, kind of like, Oh gosh, she's taking advantage because, like, I, you know. No, not at all. Not at all. That was wonderful. Thank you, and that's a good lesson too. Uh, what when we when I used to work on a team, um, a lot of we had a bigger PR team, and we were always assigned different stories to pitch, and that was always kind of like a question that we had is like, oh gosh, you know, does this reporter really want to hear from? the same or from two people from the same company on the same week. And I always kind of thought, well, as long as you guys are pitching different stories, I don't see what could hurt because, you know, they might not want story A, but they might love story B. So who cares if they're pitched on the same day or days later? Because really, like you said, it's the story. It's not the company. It's the story that the reporter cares about. So. That's kind of my thought, too. Yep, I I completely agree. That is absolutely correct. Cool. Well, it was a pleasure, James. I really appreciate you taking the time, especially knowing that 
you know, it's cl getting close to your nap time. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. I really, I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for the invitation. Uh, I had a great time with you two. Thank you. Thank you, James. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of We Earn Media. If you head over to weearnmedia.com, you'll find a summary of the episode along with links to any of the resources and more information about our lovely guest and where you can find them online. If you have any topic suggestions or just general PR questions for us or future guests, email us at podcast at weearnmedia.com. Of course, you can also find us on social media. Our handle is at weearnmedia and we're on Twitter and Instagram.